Hi, and welcome to Ask Wardy. I'm Wardy, a wife and mom of three, lead teacher, blogger, and founder of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm also the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. Ask Wardy is the weekly show devoted to answering your niggling questions about traditional cooking. Maybe it's your sourdough starter, your sauerkraut, preserving foods, broth, superfoods, or anything else to do with traditional cooking. You can catch Ask Wardy live each Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, that's 1 p.m. Eastern, or through the podcast and video replays at askwardy.tv. And now, let's get to today's show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Ask Wardy, episode 35. I'm so glad you're with me. We do have a live audience, so hello to all of you on Periscope and Facebook Live. And those of you who are checking out the replay later via iTunes podcast or the video replay or the show notes, welcome to you. I have a great question today to answer about sourdough. It's a question I get a lot, and Shannon D is the one who recently asked it, so I thought uh, it would be great if we covered it. So here's a little bit of housekeeping for you. Um... This will be released later as a podcast. If you're watching me live, it'll be released later as a podcast and a video replay. Uh, Right now, though, right now, in fact, I published early the show notes of everything I'm planning to share with you. So if you can do dual tabs or another device or whatever and you want to follow along and get links and more, you can go to tradcookschool.com slash aw035. That's for Ask Wardy episode 35. All right, so those are ready for you. And when the podcast and the video replay are done, they will be embedded there as well. And of course, you can check out all the Ask Wardy archives at askwardy.tv. Okay, well, let's get into today's question. It comes from Shannon D. She says, I have a question that sort of dovetails on the lighter, fluffer, fluffier sourdough question, which I answered a few weeks back, askwardy.tv. You can check that out. Um, that you recently went over. I stumbled upon information on how whole grains aren't healthy because they cause blood sugar to spike because they're high glycemic. This information came from a cookbook author who wrote a cookbook on low glycemic breads and baked goods. I was wondering about your take on this and if you could tell me if sourdough breads cause blood sugar to spike like other whole grain breads. Signed off, Shannon D. Great question, Shannon. I'm thrilled you asked this. It actually has been um, something I've been wanting to get to the bottom of myself. So the other day I sat down and researched it, and I feel like we have a good answer now. So let's talk first about what is the glycemic index. Make sure everybody understands because we're talking about something that's this technical term. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So here's the definition of glycemic index. The glycemic index, or GI, you might see it on the internet, is a system that ranks foods on a scale from 1 to 100 based on their effect on blood sugar levels. So that's the official definition. Now the purpose of this scale is it's so sensitive individuals, so individuals that are sensitive to blood sugar spikes can judge the impact that a particular food is going to have on their blood sugar and accordingly eat or avoid it. So it's information that helps you be educated and or devise a diet plan that's gonna work for you if you need to manage blood sugar. And I, I bet you know where we're going with this. This is very important for diabetics in managing their blood sugar through diet. And it's even those even important for those who've been told, like by a doctor um, or some healthcare practitioner or even through their own experience, that you're at risk for developing diabetes. You are, you have, you're sensitive to spikes in your blood sugar. Um, so 
For all those kind of camps, those people need to watch their blood sugar and manage it through diet. So the glycemic index is a very helpful tool for assessing how a food is going to affect blood sugar. Here is a little bit about the index. Um, high GI foods, it's a scale of 1 to 100, remember? So a high GI food is ranked at 70 or greater. Potatoes, white potatoes are an example of a high GI food. Medium GI foods are ranked from 56 to 69. And foods that are in this category would be sweet potatoes and corn, your sweeter fruits like pineapple and apricots, and one grain, well, it's a pseudo-grain, um, millet. I think it's a pseudo-grain, but anyway, it's in that category, what we call grains. So that's medium GI. Now, low GI foods are ranked at 55 or lower. So you'd have carrots, other moderately sweet vegetables, most other fruits, most nuts or seeds, beans, dairy, and most grains are in this low GI category. And then you have a very, was that low GI? Yeah. Then you have a very low GI category. And really that is just below everything else because there are foods that have no impact on blood sugar that we know of. Um, or no established GI value. So you have non-starchy vegetables, you have your spices and herbs, you have meats, you have seafood in this category. And all this information comes from the World's Healthiest Foods, which is a great website, in my opinion, for nutritional information about foods and food categories. And I have a link for you to that article at the show notes. You can get it at tradcookschool.com slash AW035. Okay, so I just gave you you know, high, medium, low, very low. The point is, with knowing these, is that the high GI foods are gonna cause a sudden and extreme spike in blood sugar levels, while medium slash low GI foods are going to produce a more gradual increase in blood sugar levels. So that's a big, um, significant impact on your blood sugar. One is extreme and sudden, the other is gradual. Okay, so Shannon, back to, um, you know, you were reading this cookbook author. And I'm not sure exactly where your author got the idea that whole grains are high GI because they look to me to be on the medium GI list. But there's another factor, which is whole grains ground up could be higher on the GI scale because they're ground up and then maybe the, the starch and the delivery into the blood, uh, the blood supply to spike blood sugar levels is faster if it's ground up. So that's a possibility there. But onto your question, because you're really asking about sourdough bread and is it different from all those other grains? Well, based on the research I've seen, non-sourdough ripe bread has a glycemic index of 71. So here's where the whole grain ground up and you have white flour turned into bread actually makes a food product, the bread, high on the GI scale, 71. Remember, high GI foods are 70 or greater. Um, on the other hand, sourdough bread has a glycemic index of 53. That's a low GI ranking. So this is very good news. And I don't know if your cookbook author addressed sourdough, and it's quite possible they didn't, otherwise you wouldn't be asking. Um, but what this tells me is that sourdough is a very effective method for lowering the glycemic index of the bread you're eating. Um, in the comments, Helen is saying Dr. Wheatbelly, so the doctor who gave us the Wheatbelly book, talks of whole grain being worse on your blood sugars than white. So you might ask the question, well, what's the deal with sourdough? How does it do this? So I'm just logically um, reasoning this out. Um, 
the bacteria and the yeast in your sourdough starter that then you combine with the flour. And by the way, at traditional cooking school, all our sourdough recipes are where you, you combine the entirety of the flour of the recipe with the sourdough starter for a minimum of seven to eight hours so that all the flour can be pre-digested and prepared for best digestion and nutrition by the sourdough starter. Contrast that with other sourdough recipes you might find out there where you're doing a little bit of flour and the sourdough starter, letting it develop flavor and rise, but then you add more flour and bake. So the additional flour is not actually prepared for good digestion. The glycemic index is not reduced through being with the sourdough starter for a period of time. So back to what I was saying, your sourdough starter is a colony of bacteria and yeast. And when you combine that with the flour of the recipe, the organisms are actually eating the starches in the flour. That's their food source. So they're eating it and you don't eat it, right? I mean, it's got to go somewhere. So the, the organisms are eating it. So by the time you eat it, there's much less starch in the food. Starch is just another word for sugar. Also, as I was looking into this, I saw some research or at least some people that speculated that the beneficial acids in sourdough, which the acids are produced by the organisms in the starter, that they can help with your digestion, blood sugar, nutrition, and kind of that whole package. And I don't know specifically what impact they have on, uh, on all those items I listed, but the beneficial acids in sourdough can have a positive impact on your digestion. So the bottom line here, sourdough bread is on the glycemic index, a low GI food. So that's, a, that's good news for many people. And as I was reading articles, I did see lots of um, like, I guess you would say anecdotal evidence, people sharing, like I can't, I'm diabetic or I'm pre-diabetic and I can't eat bread, but I can have sourdough bread. So again, that's anecdotal evidence. Um, and I just want to put a caveat here that just because, as we've discussed, sourdough bread um, is considered a low GI food, it doesn't mean that really any of us, but especially diabetics or pre-diabetics or those sensitive, um, should eat to excess. A lot of bread is still a lot of bread, and nobody really should be eating a lot of bread, at least not in our modern society where we sit around, our metabolisms have, you know, and our bodily functions have a lot of challenges from the toxins in our in our in our environment toxins in food you know we're we're fighting a battle here so a lot of bread is still a lot of bread and probably not good for most people one slice of your sourdough bread is still one serving of grains on that food pyramid so if you're managing diabetes or blood sugar you um, you and your doctor can and should decide what's allowable for you just because in this broadcast I said sourdough bread is a low glycemic food doesn't mean, you know, eat it with abandon. You still need to do your own research, observe your own body um, and how it handles it. You know, if, if that involves testing your blood sugar at certain times of day, you have to evaluate that for yourself. Um, because one size does not necessarily fit all. I would also suggest looking into ancient grains. Um, if you've been with traditional cooking school for a while, you know that we love ancient grains, especially, well, when I got into ancient grains, I started with spelt, and now we're using einkorn, which is even older, and it's the original first wheat of the world. Well, einkorn has half the amount of starch as modern wheat. Starch is the issue here, isn't it, for diabetics and pre-diabetics and those sensitive to blood sugar. So if you're using a grain that 
you know, right off the bat has half the starch. Then you combine it with sourdough. Well, maybe, and I don't know that anybody's tested it, but is it possible it could have an even lower GI, of 50, uh, lower than 53? Again, I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't know. I didn't see any research on this. I'm just uh, carrying it through with logic, and my logic could be wrong. But lower starch from the beginning, the power of the sourdough starter to reduce the starch load because the organisms are eating it, it's quite possible that einkorn sourdough bread is even better for you than whole wheat sourdough bread. And of course, there's all kinds of other research out there to show that uh, modern wheat is really not that good for us. And if we're gonna eat grains, we should consider the ancient ones. So I think that einkorn and sourdough together quite possibly could be a powerhouse for people that are sensitive to um, spikes in blood sugar. And I wanna wrap this up. There've been so many comments. Thank you everyone for chatting with each other and sharing your experiences. I wanna wrap this up by offering you two things that could help you um, if you're interested in learning more about sourdough and or einkorn. So at Traditional Cooking School, we have free instructions teaching you how to do your own sourdough starter to make it and you literally are combining flour and water. So within five minutes, you won't have an established starter, but you will be started. You'll start your starter in literally five minutes. Those instructions are at tradcookschool.com slash free starter. I also have a free bread recipe for you where you take that sourdough starter and you use einkorn flour and it's an amazing, no need sourdough artisan einkorn loaf. And I have a picture here for you. Let me pull it up. Um, I just need a moment. Let's see. This is a fantastic bread. We eat it a lot. Come on. So here it is. It's a sourdough einkorn loaf, no need. And it takes about 15 minutes of hands-on time. And that recipe is available for you at tradcookschool.com slash free bread. Free bread is one word. Again, it's uh, combining einkorn and sourdough together. And it's very, very easy. So you gotta love all that. Here's another picture of it baked in a Dutch oven. So again, those links are tradcookschool.com slash free starter to grab the starter instructions and tradcookschool.com slash free bread to get the free einkorn bread recipe. If you want to go to the show notes, um, if you're on Facebook Live, there's a link right above my video. It's tradcookschool.com slash aw035. That'll take you right there and you can click over to anything I've mentioned. Um, but that's the, that's the link. Um, Amy is saying she uses einkorn too. And any whole wheat comes from Bluebird Grain Farm. They grow heirloom wheat. That's fantastic. Anne is saying it's her first time to view and she loves the info. Oh, I'm glad you made it and thank you for the positive feedback. Um, I see a comment, someone who has gluten sensitivity and can eat sourdough something. I don't know if it says sourdough pretzels <laughs> with no problems. Um, in our family, when we first started our traditional cooking journey, it was with um, diagnosis of gluten sensitivity in our oldest daughter. And for a number of years, we just avoided the um, avoided gluten completely, but then we learned about traditional cooking and thought, why don't we try it? Because it was very intriguing, this notion that if you take time to prepare your grains for better nutrition and digestion, that you may be able to tolerate gluten. And again, I am not again, let me just say this clearly. I'm talking about gluten intolerance. I'm not talking about a gluten allergy. So a gluten allergy would be different, but our daughter had gluten intolerance. She was sensitive to gluten. She had di digestive distress when she ate it. 
And so we were intrigued and we tried soaking, we tried to, started um, sprouting, and we then got into sourdough. And all three of those were very effective methods of preparing grains for best digestion and our daughter could then eat. We could go back to having bread. So we're totally sold on it. And now we've come even farther where the ancient grains, the spelt and the einkorn have been amazing for our family. Um, I myself had seasonal allergies my entire life, but I've been allergy free for, I always forget if it's three or four years now. And as long as I stay off modern wheat, <laughs> I don't get my allergies back. I did the GAPS diet, which is a gut healing diet. And if I don't return, if I don't eat modern wheat, then I still am allergy free for all these years. Um, I can do einkorn, no problem. So we love einkorn. May, Lynn, or May Ellen, Ma Ellen, not sure how to pronounce your name. E-I-N-K-O-R-N. If you go to traditionalcookingschool.com and in the search bar, search bar type E-I-N-K-O-R-N, Einkorn, I have a podcast that tells you Einkorn 101. I also have another podcast where I um, explain the reasons that I love Einkorn. And at Traditional Cooking School, we have a whole class on Einkorn baking. That might be something you want to consider down the road. Thank you for typing that, Delena. Um, so yes, we love Einkorn. And grab my free bread recipe. It'll be good introduction. Um, to it for you, tradcookschool.com slash free bread. But you do need the sourdough starter, so that's why I'm telling you about those instructions, tradcookschool.com slash free starter. Well, thank you so much, everyone. God bless you. Thanks for being with me. And again, the show notes will be ready for you if you want to check out any of the information that I've shared about sourdough, the glycemic index, and or einkorn. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. Here's what to do next. Ask Wardy wouldn't be possible without your questions, so please keep them coming. If you're on Twitter, tweet me at TradCookSchool with your question and use the hashtag AskWardy. Or send an email to Wardy at AskWardy.tv. To get the show notes, links mentioned, video replay, or even to catch up on past episodes of Ask Wardy, go to AskWardy.tv. To join the fun of the live video recording, be sure to follow me with the handle at TradCookSchool on the Periscope app or go to periscope.tv slash TradCookSchool. We record live on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. And finally, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the Podcasts app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Ask Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to tradcookschool.com slash awitunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested in traditional cooking will find Ask Wardy too. Thanks so much. God bless you. And I'll see you next week.